you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast with your host, Corey Dion Lewis, primary care health coach and health education specialist. You will learn from health professionals from all over the world on how to plan and take action to improve your health and live with purpose on purpose. Like to work one-on-one with Corey to achieve your goals? Go to healthcoachlou.com or email Corey at Corey at healthcoachlou.com. Hello, everybody, and thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I am your host, Corey Dion Lewis. Got a great guest in the building today, Jason. Thank you so much for uh, being on the podcast tonight. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. You know, as I've said to you before, I, I like talking behavior change and habit formation and do do it some part of every day. So uh, this is just getting to do it on your podcast, which, which <laughs> is going to be fun. Tell us about yourself, how you got to, how'd you get started to where you're at now? All right. Well, this is a, this is a tricky one for me because it's a, it has the potential to be a, a, a long, involved, deep story, but I've, I've gotten pretty good at doing it in a couple of bullet points and you can, you can let me know if you want me to go deeper on any of them. Really, my beginning of my journey as a wellness coach was a, a troubling time in my life of being an overweight teenager. You know, that's really what, um, if I look at the course of my life so far, set me down this path. Um, I found myself, despite the best intentions and the best efforts of my parents and, and teachers and the other adults in my life, not getting a lot of good support around that. To make this a, a brief story, you know, that led me to exploring how to overcome that problem, both sort of in my personal life, meaning how I approached particularly eating and exercise. And then when it was time for me to go to college, I studied exercise science and then eventually studied nutrition as well. That's uh, so really it was my personal challenges with well-being that ultimately led me into this field. You're coming into it from a, from a personal place. For sure, you know, and there, you know, I, I, I really did give you the abridged version. There was some, there was some messy stuff in between. And the way I like to think of myself these days as a wellness coach is, although I'm not perfect and never will be perfect, and, and I don't really use that way of thinking, I've come full circle to where I have both um, excellent external self care habits. And I have a really good uh, relationship with myself. I like to talk about this as being in harmony with myself. And then I put on top of that, you know, the education I talked about with you, and then the additional training I took on to become a wellness coach. And that was training in behavior change and habit formation. So when I'm sitting across from a client, I have both the academic and technical know-how of how to help them change their behavior and form habits, as well as this sort of in my genes uh, acceptance and compassion and kindness for uh, what it's like to struggle with one's well-being in any way or what it's like to struggle with um, one's relationship with oneself in any way. So, yeah, I, I, at this point, it, it's uh, I'm just remarkably grateful because I feel like I'm doing what I'm here to do. Uh, it right. just it just feels right on every on every level. That's great. Self-efficacy is so important, right? Like if, if you don't have the confidence in yourself to, to make those changes, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, it's like an uphill, uphill battle 
So I'm not, and I'm not saying that it was just because you had self-efficacy that it was smooth sailing. I'm sure it was, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? But it didn't, right. it didn't hurt. You know what I mean? It didn't hurt to have that belief in yourself. Oh, you know when that when that really starts to come together, and yeah, that's neat. I don't. That's that's actually kind of interesting for me at the moment because I feel like my understanding of self-efficacy as a coach there was a delay that came really after I had gained a lot more confidence in myself in different ways. Um, so when I learned about self-efficacy professionally, I guess I could say it sort of connected a lot of dots for me. You know, I had a lot of, a lot of aha moments and, uh, yeah, at this point that's central to how I work with clients, um, helping them develop their sense of self-efficacy around the specific tasks and behaviors they're working on. That was my, uh, my next question for you, Jason, is there, there are those patients that are those clients, sorry, that come to you that don't feel like they can change. You know, how do you start to create those habit changing behaviors when they don't feel confident in themselves? Yeah. You know, maybe we'll get into all of this or, or some other parts of this, you know, I, cause I, I essentially use a, a seven step system that I've made to help sort of guide my, myself as I, as I work to help people change their behavior and form habits, but to jump right to the, to the prize of your question, I think one of the most, if not the most significant way to help someone develop self-efficacy is to help them set very small goals and to set an action plan that involves very small action steps. And I'm emphasizing very um, because it's usually much smaller than a person would be inclined to do on their own. I would say it's also much smaller than most wellness professionals uh, without as much of an understanding of behavior change and habit formation tend to go with a person. And I almost think there's like a and I don't know the right term for this, but we all, in our culture, there's a cultural idea. I'll just describe it that way. There's a cultural idea that can be summarized by the saying, go big or go home. Mm, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. uh, in sort of the mainstream thinking about motivation, the pop culture way of thinking of motivation, the idea is that you need a massive goal to light a spark to get you moving. I don't disagree with that premise entirely. I feel like having uh, a a strong vision that is uh, really full of emotion for a person and could certainly include something big. I had a a client uh, say to me today, she wants to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. That's pretty big, right? Yeah. That's that's, that's really, really big. And in my experience, that – that's that's exciting for her. I can I could I could feel her motivation, and I would never do anything to squelch a client's motivation. However, my experience is that if she doesn't somewhat quickly break that down into a smaller goal and some smaller action steps she can be taking, burst of motivation that she found will fizzle and, and fade. Absolutely, uh, you know, hiking Mount Kilimanjaro is just too far away chronologically it's too far away <laughs> in terms of her, of her wrapping her mind around the kind of fitness it would take to be able to do that compared to her current fitness level i love asking my clients you know when they say i want to do x i'll say um what would it be like next week to do half of x 
And then if they're, if they're into that, I might say, what, well, how about doing half of that? Um, and as long as, you know, I'll stop once they get to the point where they say, that's just way too easy. That's just mm. way. Too easy. But if I get them to this comfortable point where they're saying, yeah, that sounds reasonable. And it's sort of resonating with them. And, you know, even if I don't have any, uh, don't do any education or explanation of self-efficacy or why we're doing this, it hits a lot of people and, and they have, a, it just resonates and they go, oh, I see what you're doing. That's why the last five times for the last five years I've tried to do this, it hasn't worked. Because right. I, I say, I'm going to run five miles five times a week and I come up short, I get discouraged and I quit. Um, so I, I, see, I see that in people's faces and eyes and body language. They see, oh, this makes sense. You're, you're not saying I should never try to run five, times a five miles five times a week. But you're asking me what I think about running twice, two miles twice a week next week. You know what? That actually sounds pretty darn good. I, I right. think that would be awesome. So, yeah. When you're talking, I, all I can do is just kind of laugh to myself because it's kind of the same thing in the fact that I try to get my patients to get just as excited about the journey to get to their goal than they are their actual big goal. Right. So <laughs> the way I put it is like, OK, we're it's like the alphabet. You're at A right now and your goal, your big, hairy, audacious goal, right? That's Z. But what do we got to do with B, C, D, E, F, and G and all the way down before we get to Z? So we got to yeah. get excited about this first. Yes. You know, so it's it's that it's that dance of making sure they, like, like you said, you don't want them to be discouraged by you saying, hey, I think your goal is great, but like, you're not there yet. Like you don't want to discourage them. You want them to right. keep that there, but also be excited about the work it's going to take the small steps it's going to take to get to that big goal. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, as well as I do that, um, you know, this is almost, this has almost become a cliche expression. Change is hard, right? So <laughs> I, I say as a, as, as a wellness coach, any momentum that my clients have in the direction of change, I use, right? Like I don't, I, I don't, I don't, it does, it's not helpful to squelch anything because of a theory difference or, um, or anything like that. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't even, yeah. Like with, uh, with this client and, and Mount Kilimanjaro, I just, all I, I put fuel on that fire. I said, that's, that sounds exciting. You, you, I can tell you're light, lighting up about that. She was talking about a friend doing it with her. That sounds like it's going to be quite an adventure. And I, I, before I even asked her a question, I reflected to her because she's been, she's been working on uh, uh, walking more and uh, general activity more. And, and, and she chose to be using one of the step counters to, to monitor her steps. And so I just reflected back to her, you know, last couple of weeks I've been hearing you or, you know, receiving your text saying 14,000 steps today, 17,000 steps today, 12,000 steps today. That sounds like you're on your way to being able to hike Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, that land, you know, from my perspective, that landed with her of, uh, it helped connect some dots. It wasn't like there's a sedentary person and a person who hiked Mount Kilimanjaro. And I've got to, you know, like you're saying, go from A to Z and, and, and bypass that whole middle ground. I think it helped her see, yeah, I'm already at yeah. C. I'm at C or D. Like, I'm, it's not like I, this isn't just an idea. It's not just a dream. I already am. Right. Before, I already am doing some stuff in this. You're direction. pursuing that goal. Yeah. You're already engaged in 
I, pursuing that goal would be one saying of it. I mean, another way of saying it would be you're already engaged in living that life. Um, mm. that, that sort of dream identity is already part of your current identity. You are not just that you will one day hike Mount Kilimanjaro, you are the kind of person, right? Like to interviewing, you know, affirmations, you are the kind of person who hikes, who does things like hikes Mount Kilimanjaro. You know, so yeah, that's a, that's a really neat space to play in with behavior change and habit formation of um, collapsing the gap between where someone is and, and where they want to be or who they think they are and who they think they can be. One way I talk about this with a, with a friend of mine who's a coach, this progression. Uh, so like uh, one way of thinking about behavior change is goals, right? So right. Um, and that's, that's, that's usually the place, first place people start. Another way to think about behavior change is habits. So instead of someone framing uh, their behavior change, it wouldn't be, I want to do X, or one day I'll do X, or it's my goal to do X, to achieve X, you know, like say hike Mount Kilimanjaro, or reach a certain goal weight, or reach a certain um, blood sugar level, whatever that stated goal might be they start to think more in habits, like I eat three nourishing meals a day. That isn't going anywhere. They're doing that just to do it, right? And then the step, I think even like closer to home is something like identity. Like I'm a happy, healthy person. It's, it's who I am. So it's like goals is something I'll become. Habits is something I do. Identity is who I am ultimate behavior change, you know, it, it, it's a process, is it's who I am. You know, I, you probably have this experience. I, I tell this story somewhat frequently is I'll have, uh, this is more, you know, more pre-pandemic, have friends or even acquaintances over for dinner. I'll be making dinner and putting out some appetizers or, or, or whatever. And um, almost every time, if it's someone who doesn't know me that well, I'll get a comment, which is a, a compliment and they'll say something like, oh, my God, you eat so well, you're so disciplined. And the implication is, uh, from their perspective at that point in their life, is that that whole afternoon, I had the choice of eating at McDonald's or, or making this meal that I was making for them out of food I got at the farmer's market the previous weekend. And that it took an act of will in those couple of hours to make this choice when they ask me that question, I always, I do a double take because for me at this point in my life, and it certainly wasn't that way all the time, eating well is just who I am. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, it does. And, and when you can ultimately get to where something is who you are, maybe this is like the word change amped up a little bit. You've transformed, right? Like it's a, it's a new, new way of existing. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm, I'm just thinking of a scenario when I was kind of in that situation myself been competitive most of my life. So when I stopped playing basketball to do a strongman competition, this was years ago, this was 2012. When people were asking me what I was doing at the gym or how I was exercising, I would say, I'm, I am, I'm a strongman. I'm, I, I'm, I'm a strongman competitor. Yes. That put me in that sense of, oh yeah, I, I'm a strongman competitor. These are the things that I have to do to be able to compete well in this in the strongman competition. It's so funny. You know, the more I think about it, Jason, as, as you were talking, I was thinking like, okay, what, what is, what's more important to get your patients to, to realize? Is it, 
as far as behavior change, is it is it the goal or is it the habit? They're not the same thing. Like sometimes some people will put them in the same category. I feel like like if if your goal is to eat more fruits and vegetables, then you have to get into the habit of eating more fruits and vegetables. But that's not that's not really the same thing. Like what how do you the the habits are what get you the more to get you in a position to eat more fruits and vegetables, like making sure you're going to a farmer's market or ma- being more mindful of, of those situations. Right. Um, and, I, and I'm, I'm just kind of behavior change is so complex, right? Human behavior is very complex. Well, the way humans do things is just weird sometimes, <laughs> but you know, but as you know, some of the strategies that we use to change that behavior is so simple. Mm. Like if then statements, like what is this one of the simplest goals or simplest strategies I use with patients is a, a if then statement. If you have a bag of chips, then you will have a piece of fruit. Like, or if you do this, then you will do this healthy behavior. Yeah. Super simple stuff, but humans are so complex <laughs> and and I'm all over the place right now. So I'm trying to bring it back. Cause it like you start talking about this stuff and I, I get kind of excited. So <laughs> oh, no, I, I hear we are. And you know, what's interesting, you said two interesting things in the last couple minutes. And I think this is, this is fascinating because they're both true. We people, humans, and the process of, of behavior change is both simple and complex. Yeah. <laughs> it's complex right. in the sense that a lot, there's a lot of moving parts happening um, but it, it really can be distilled into, into some, some, simple, uh, some simple steps. I think it's really important to be able to do that because if uh, I'm going to use like the royal we, meaning like our whole society, you know, if, right. we, if we keep saying things like change is hard, which is just too broad of a statement, it's too easy to either personally or professionally or both conclude that change is hard, change is complicated. So, you know, kind of like why bother, right? When you start to see that there are uh, approaches that are simple, uh, they tend to make common sense, like I was using in that example earlier. And if for people that, are, that, that, that like evidence, they're also robustly evidence-based at this point. You know, that, yeah. that, so, you know, I think a decent thing to explore together, uh, you know, as to wellness coaches is maybe I could share, because I think I can do it in four or five minutes, these seven steps, because I think they are, they do illustrate what you're talking about. These things are, are, are that, they're, that they're pretty simple. Would, would that be something you want to explore? Yeah, let's, let's go there. Um, and then I want to make a mental note. When I talk about the step about taking small steps, I have a couple of things that I think to tie this back to self-efficacy that I think will be mm. potentially interesting for people listening. So and then yeah, we can we can dive deep on any of this, but I think uh, just to lay it out, first step I, I I say is important is to get really clear on the change you want to make or the habit you want to form. That could sound like uh, something Captain Obvious would say, but you'd be surprised how many people say things like "I want to eat better" or "I want to exercise more," "I want to lose weight." Those are not very clear, right? So the first thing is to get really clear on the behavior change you want to make or the habit you want to form. So, uh, I, so this might help too. I sometimes uh, talk about this. You, you saw a workshop I did on this at one point with the metaphor of a snowball. 
everyone can imagine in their mind a snowball that gets bigger and bigger and bigger as it rolls down a hill. And that's really what we want to think of. That's a nice metaphor for changing behavior or, or forming a habit. So if you don't have a clear habit you want to form, you don't even have a snowball is the way I like to say it. You've got a piece of snow over here and a piece of snow over here and a, a snowflake. You have, you have a handful of mm-hmm. disparate snowflakes. Once you have a clear habit you want to form, now you got a snowball. Step two gives us a much more significant snowball. Step two is getting really clear on why you want to form that habit. This in coach speak is getting in touch with your values. Mm. In um, both coach speak and sort of this has become pop cultured, that's your why, right? So I think that will make sense to most people listening is when you, you now have a, you now there's something specific you want to do and you know very specifically why you want to do it. And a good question to get, get some clarity on why you want to do it is, what will this bring to your life? So now you've got a person that wants to do something, knows exactly what it's gonna, how it's going to make their life better. Now you've got something. You have something to play with, right? My third step is now take a baby step. So that's like my client that's super excited about hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. She's got a snowball. But to get it rolling down the hill... She's got to do something. Um, right. And, and, and hiking Mount Kilimanjaro or the other side of the planet isn't going to happen for some time. But she can call a friend and do a 45-minute hike in her town this weekend. So that's where the small steps come in. And the, the, the point I wanted to circle back to is to make it sound less coach speak or you know, science speak, uh, I'd like to explain self-efficacy to people as having that feeling of, I did it. If you can say in your head or say out loud or say to your coach, I did it, you're experiencing self-efficacy. That's about all self-efficacy is. It's the experience of saying, wow, I did it. Like, that's so cool. I've never played a song on the piano before. I did it. I've never, I didn't think I could learn a new language. I'm doing it. Like, it's working. I just had a conversation with someone in Spanish. I did it. And every time you have that feeling of, I did it, it's like, packing on some more snow onto your snowball and it's getting bigger and it's rolling down that hill faster. And to, to contrast that when people do the go big or go home, what they have is, and you, I'm sure you've seen, you've had people walk into your office with this look on their face and body language. They didn't do what they set out to do. They feel like they failed. So they sort of whimper in with their tail between their legs, figuratively saying, I failed. I didn't do what I said I was going to do. They, they, they kind of feel like they let themselves down. They kind of feel like they let you down. Mm-hmm. That's uh, anti-self-efficacy. To, so, that's, so now you, get, you got something going. And really, truly, to keep this simple, I think if you stopped there, you would have a viable behavior change and habit formation model. If, if that's all a person did is got clear on what they want, uh, got clear on why they want it, and took small steps in that direction, that would work. That, that works. The next two steps, just make it work. Uh, they, they grease the wheels. They, they make it work even better. The, the next step is how can I make this more fun? How can I make this more pleasurable? How can I make it more enjoyable? And using like a physics analogy, that's uh, reducing friction. We like to do what we like to do. Absolutely. Um, which is so, this is one of those things that's simple and complex, Corey, because everyone's going to say, yeah, that makes total sense. Like, why, why would I make it uh, miserable if I could make it fun, pleasurable, and enjoyable. 
because we have a culture that says things like, no pain, no gain. If it tastes good, it's bad for you. If it tastes bad, it's good for you. We're, con- we're conditioned that, that if, it's, if it feels good, it can't be beneficial. Uh, this goes deep, deep, deep into cultural roots and Judeo-Christianity and um, sort of like sacrificing now for the benefit later kind of thing. Right. That really helps with behavior change. If, if You don't get more, the way, the way I like to say this sometimes, you don't get more points if it's miserable. If you, if you eat a nourishing lunch and you really enjoy it, you get the same wellness benefits than if you ate a nourishing lunch and you hated it. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, and so, and, and you and I know a person is far more likely to do it the first time and far more likely to keep doing it if they're enjoying it. So that's, that's the fourth step. Fifth step is, is similar, which is to tie it to your strengths. Um, so everyone's got existing strengths. We come into the world with strengths. We learn strengths from our, you know, growing up. We learn strengths as an adult. And this is another one of those like work smarter, not harder. Um, You don't get points for tying your habit to something that you, that isn't a personal strength of yours. Right. Uh, A a decent example of this is um, someone might convince themselves that I have to meal prep on Sundays because they've heard from others in their lives that that's the key, been the key to their success for, for eating well. But this person might just not be a good cook. It's, it, and that's not, I say that descriptively, not judgmentally. It's not their thing. They don't enjoy it. They're not good at it. Um, and they see themselves as that's just not really who they are. That person doesn't gain themselves any help in forming habits by forcing themselves to, to meal prep when there are alternative ways to ensure that they have nourishing food around. Um, They might use a meal delivery service. They might live with people that love to cook and are great at cooking, and they could make some sort of a trade. You you do some cooking, I'll do more of the cleaning, right? So uh, so that's the next step is tie it to your existing strengths. You know, small asterisk on that doesn't mean that a person can't turn a weakness into a strength. But when we're because change is hard and takes energy especially in the early stages, it's best to go with the flow of what you're already good at. And then once you get some, some significant momentum and the snowball's really rolling down the hill, to continue that example, maybe that person takes some cooking classes if they want to and, and can turn that perceived weakness into more of a perceived strength. Right. So it's not necessarily you can't work on a weakness, but it will serve you better focusing on your strengths in the beginning. For sure. Kind of in the spirit of don't make, don't need to make it harder on yourself. So, uh, and then this, this next step is one that makes, you know, perfect sense to most people. But again, we sometimes get tripped up because of sort of cultural paradigms. The next one is make it convenient. Um, and this is another, you know, it just takes the friction out. So if a person's going to form the habit of say doing 45 minutes of yoga, three days a week, they have a super busy job. They're a, they're a parent of two or three or four kids. One option would be going to the yoga studio that's 30 minutes on the other side of the city. And one option would be making a, a mini yoga studio within their home, you know, live streaming yoga classes. All, if all other factors are equal, that's way more convenient, right? It's a, it takes three hours out of their week that would have been spent driving to and from the yoga studio. And what people um, should be thinking about with this is, we can only make so many decisions in a day and decisions literally on a biological level, require energy. 
And so if it's for, if you, if you want to do yoga in the afternoon and you've already made dozens of good decisions about drinking water and how you're going to eat and how you're going to approach parenting and how you're going to approach your job, when it comes time to four o'clock, if, if you have to think, I got to find my keys, I got to get in the car, I got to make sure my yoga mat, I got to make sure I don't forget my yoga mat. Th- that person has a chance of saying, you know what? I just don't have energy for that today. I'm going to skip yoga today. But if yoga is in their nice finished basement or it's, it's on the other side of their home office, that there's just less friction between t- to get there. And so then the, the, the seventh step that I use that, that is pr- I, probably my favorite. It's probably, it's, yeah, yeah, it's probably my favorite, which is, uh, which is get support. <laughs> it's, uh, and, and it's not last because it's the least important. It's the last because it ties the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, is and this is another thing that we're working against culturally culturally we think that getting support or asking for help with something we want to do is is weak we you know we think we ought to be able to do it ourselves i say all the time that uh, no one does anything really substantive in life without they're truly by themselves and there might have been elements of it that needed to be done by themselves but um if we look under the hood there was always some support from a friend. right Jason, there's, and I'll send you this article and you've probably already seen it. It's a research study that um, studied that they took all of the, the top diets out there, keto, Weight Watchers, Dash, and they came to the conclusion that no, and just being on a diet by itself, yes, you will lose weight, but the individuals that had behavioral support lost more weight than those who just had a specific diet. And it sounds like regardless of the diet, regardless of the diet, right? That's fast. That- I have not, I have not seen that. I would love to see that. Yeah. I'll um, send it to you. I'll send it to you. Yeah. I, that, that makes me, that makes me smile from ear to ear. <laughs> that, that, that validates my experience. Um, that, that support is the, the secret sauce. And uh, so, you know, this is, this is taught in a lot of wellness coaching training programs is, you know, when a person is stating the action steps they're going to take coming out of a, of a wellness session, a great question for a coach to ask to, to add mojo to their momentum is what are some ways you could get support with that? And essentially, mm-hmm. you're, what the coach is doing is helping the client build out like a trust, uh, a support matrix for themselves. Right. And I, I actually, you know... Um, have a, a worksheet that has four quadrants and the four quadrants are essentially professional general support, professional specific support, personal general support, and personal specific support. So uh, professional general support would be something like a primary care physician or a counselor or a therapist is you're, you're, you're having conversations with them about improving your your self-care habits, your eating habits, your exercise habits, et cetera. Professional specific support would be working with a wellness coach, working with a fitness trainer, working with a nutritionist, um, taking swimming lessons, taking yoga lessons, you know, these kind of things. Professional, gen- a personal general support is something like your life partner or a friend. Is you, you, you talk with them about what you're working on changing and improving and what goals you have. And they're checking in with you on it. And they're, they're just in your, they're, they're, they're part of your, they're, you let them in on your process, right? And then personal specific support would be someone in, you know, a per, someone in your personal life that uh, agrees to walk with you 
three times a week or come to the pool and swim with you twice a week or, or whatever, or, or come over to your house for a meal prep party and you meal prep together kind of thing. Right. And what, I, what I have clients do is, is throw out all their ideas in each quadrant. Um, you know, what are some ways you could get support in all of those? Um, Cause again, in that spirit of like, we'll take all the help we can get. Um, this is just a way for them to get lots of help. And it's also a way, you know, a lot of people um, don't necessarily realize that a lot of the way a lot of wellness coaches work is the, to consider ourselves a success when we've, um, to one degree or another, put ourselves out of a job. Yeah, so we, 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 we are uh, a great deal of support for our clients while they're improving their behaviors. However, I like to use the training wheels metaphor that in my course of time of working with a client, the idea is that I provide a great, greater deal of support at the beginning of our time together. By the end of our time together, they've truly formed habits, which means they need less of the kind of support I offer. Um, but one way they do that is by replacing my support with uh, the support of the people that are already in their day-to-day life. Um, and to build that muscle, to build that skill of um, being aware of what kind of support is available in one's life and having the courage to, to ask for support and having the courage to accept support, which sounds easy, but I, I think you'll get, and I'll, I'll say this is true for me, it's sometimes, it's sometimes hard to do. You know, yeah, because we, we- yeah, a lot of people don't feel like they have that support. So when I, like, I do something similar in the sense of once a patient, they've made, they're making the changes or doing all the things and we're in this, we're in this maintenance phase of their behavior change, right? They, they've done, they're doing the things, they've lost the weight or whatever the goal was. I sense, hey, it's starting to get close to the time where I don't need to see you anymore. <laughs> like it's, it's, getting, it's getting there. And then I, I start asking those questions like, okay, so who do you have at home that's going to hold you accountable? Or who do you have at work? I start asking those accountability accountability questions and I get question I get answers like well it's it's just you I I get that a lot you know it's like well I don't I don't know I don't I don't have that support at home but some people are like well you know I have you know my my best friend is is doing this with me so like swap recipes or we ask each other how we're doing and that's that's great what I've noticed is that it's always a friend like unfortunately this is really sad is is most of the time a lot of the women that I'm coaching their spouse is not with it. Interesting. Like this, yeah, I know, right? Like the, it's like not with it in the sense of like, oh, I don't want you to change your behavior. They're like, oh, I'm happy you're changing your behavior. Don't try to change mine. Mm. Yeah. Like they yeah, like, it, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. So I think, yeah, talk about complex. Well, you, you <laughs> uh, the, the only thing harder than, Helping a person in the broad sense change their behavior is, and I'll, I'll, I guess I should put helping in quotes because it's usually not done in a helping, exactly in a helpful way necessarily, um, is, is trying to change the behavior of uh, a life partner yeah, or, or a parent, um, like, you know, a, like your adult parent, um, if you're old enough to have adult children. Pe- within, within those family ties, I guess, you know, saying this straightforwardly, People don't want to hear it from that person. They do um, not want to hear it. Well, and then the second thing there is, and this is no, um, this is no um, harsh criticism. Most people don't know how to how to approach it in a way that 
doesn't come off in a way that almost guarantees putting the other person on their heels and, and sort of drawing out their natural defensiveness. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's an autonomy thing from self-determination theory. When someone in your life that you are valuing for their unconditional love is approaching you with a you should change conversation, mm-hmm. there's a cross and signals there because it's like, I thought you unconditionally loved me and now you're telling me I should change. The, the circuits go haywire. And, and that's, a, that's, that's probably a, a separate conversation. That's a but, whole separate podcast. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I think, you know, it, it, no, I don't know that anyone out there is specifically asking this question, uh, you know, because we can't, we can't hear them in this format. But if someone out there, and this happens to me, um, this happened to me this past Saturday, a woman approached me very directly, very clear. And, she, you know, I'm, I'm, in, uh, I'm projecting that she has some of this wisdom already, because she said something like, um, my husband really needs to get healthy. I'd really love, love for him to work with you. Could we set it up for you to talk with him? You know, reading between the, the lines and what she said is sort of like, I could probably try, <laughs> but <laughs> I know, I mean, I, I'm speaking as her, I could try to help him change these behaviors, but I know A, it probably won't work and B, mm-hmm. it will be corrosive for our relationship. So it would just be awesome for me if, uh, if I could hand them over to you, that's basically what right. you said. Because she could say the exact same thing to him that you're probably going to say to him and it will come, he'll listen to you. And then, but his wife would be like, what, like, why, like, what do you, you think I'm unhealthy? And it'll be, it'll be this battle. It, it, it's, it almost, it's, it's very hard place for it to go. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said with your, with, with your system. And there was a step where you're kind of talking about taking taking a step, but then taking a smaller step. Um, and it had me thinking about taking action. Like when I heard taking steps is, is taking action with a lot of with all the patients that I see. And, and I would love to get your experience with this when they're thinking about their goal. All they think they're motivated by the goal. So like all of their energy and everything is that big goal once that goal or once they start just doing stuff to reach that goal and it doesn't work out, the motivation starts to just dwindle. Yeah. yeah. Because they're not reaching the goal as fast as they might want to. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a prime example. I stopped weighing patients at the clinic because I knew based on that weight, how our conversation was going to go. Yeah. Right. You know, like, if they saw, if they had one session and their goal was they wanted to lose, and I, I saw a lot of patients that, or I see a lot of patients that, that need to lose a lot of weight, you know, for their health. I mean, 400, 500 pound patients that I'm seeing, they're like, I want to lose my, I want, I need to lose, I need to lose 200 pounds because by the time they come to me, their doctor has told them every time they have seen them, you need to do something with your health. And they just took, take, they just put it off, put it off, put it off. And then their doctor's like, you have, you have type two diabetes. And now they're like, Oh crap. Right. So they come to me and they're like, I need you to get rid of my type two diabetes by next week. Right. They're, they're like, they had that sense of urgency or I need to lose a hundred pounds in a month. So like they, they had these big goals. They come see me again. They get on the scale. It may be two or three pounds. It may be no change at all. And you can see the motivation leaving their body. Right, right. Right, like it's just it's just not there. Next thing you know, they either stop showing up 
or the attitude is different. Me telling them that we need to start working on breaking up these smaller goals and things like that in a more professional way, but I'm just trying to make it easier to talk. They're not, they're not trying to hear it. Right. So what I, what I've noticed, so I completely, I was like, whenever they see me and they're like, Hey, are are we going to weigh? Cause usually, you know, we weigh things like that. I'm like, Nope, we're not doing that because that's not the goal here. That's not the goal here. So, and it's, it almost that, that sense of that lack of self-efficacy and we kind of keep going back to self-efficacy here. Yeah. That lack of self-efficacy and self-confidence keeps them from making action. If I can keep you from just doing one one action towards your goal, keep making these actions. Now you're now your actions because of your actions, you're seeing results. And right. because of those results, now you're getting motivated to do more action. Not motivated by the goal, but to keep doing the action because you can start you can start seeing it more. Yes. And I think that it, it's not necessarily the goal we're worried about is getting you to make those actions. And, you know, it's those small actions, as you know, those small habits, those small behaviors. And you probably had this experience before too. Like you might be seeing somebody for a long time and they're doing these small steps and they think it's going to take forever. And they're like, wow, I, that, that went by pretty fast. Or I, I lost a lot of weight. That didn't seem like it took that long. Well, because you're, you weren't focused on so hyper-focused on just losing the weight. We're focused on doing the actions to get to the goal. Right. There's so much um, rich information in what you talked about there. And what comes to be right seat of a car on a road trip saying, are we there yet? Right. <laughs> and you know, it's, yes. if, if all, all you care about is the, is the, is the end result, the goal, you're frustrated, you're miserable, you're bored, you're impatient. None of, the, none of those experiences I just said are motivating. Um, they're, they're all demotivating. This, this is, uh, might be one of the most entrenched cultural paradigms to unwind or unlearn at, when we approach behavior change. And it comes largely from our school system, right? Uh, we, we go to first grade so we can go to second grade. We go to oh, elementary mm-hmm. school, so we go to middle school. Like everything is about where am I going? If you're interested in sort of a deep dive in some of that philosophy, some of the philosophy around that thinking, look up Alan Watts. Life is not a journey. Mm. So, um, and what he so so um, you know we we have this common saying, you know, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. He takes it a step further and says, life isn't about the journey. Life is about a dance. Um, but in the way he talks about it, it's like a dance or it's like a song. When, we, when we're dancing and we're really enjoying ourselves, it's not about getting to the end of the dance or about getting to the end of the song. Or uh, he says it more eloquently. He's like, it's not about playing that last crackling chord. It's about being in the song or being in the dance. And I, and I mm. think this is part of what you're trying to say, right? Absolutely. And it's what I was talking about earlier about about evolving from goal thinking to habit thinking to identity thinking. Um, Because in goal thinking, as useful as it is, there's always a gap, a gap between where we are, what we've decided will be satisfying. And if you take it to the extreme, as is very, very, very common with weight loss, that I won't be satisfied until I weigh X, um, you, you mirror my experience. Those people quit. Um, yep. I approach that um, 
even staying within the goals framework, I approach that by never squelching their goal. I would never tell someone their goal isn't a good goal, uh, unless for some reason it was very self-destructive in some way. <laughs> there's, probably, there's probably exceptions, but but usually if that if somebody wants something that's coming from their heart, we want to use that. And uh, but what I do is I make a bigger goals bucket. They want to lose weight, but they also state that they want to have more energy. They also state that they want to be able to do a certain physical feat. They also state that they want to have better mental clarity is one I often hear. Um, so that when, when they come back, I like you use very, I leave it up to my client. I don't have a scale in my office. They don't work that way. You know, so if my clients are weighing themselves, they're weighing themselves at home. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I don't have an absolute rule. Nobody weighs themselves. If, if a client wants to, they, they will. And on the schedule they design, but if, if they have that discouraging experience of not losing as much weight as they expected to, um, and they don't have other goals, the wind comes right out of their sails. Um, and it's like, we're not even, we shouldn't even be having a conversation, but we're not getting anywhere. Whereas they might be disappointed if they didn't lose as much weight as they wanted to in that period of time. But if they are actually experiencing some of those other goals coming true, they, that will usually buoy them enough to stay in the game. And so that's one strategy. The other thing I do want to delve into, um, two scientific concepts that are evidence-based because I think people would enjoy these and they'll help, help make sense of this. The first is called instrumental benefits and experiential benefits. So this has been well studied. And when we do an action, we can be motivated by the instrumental benefits, which is what it will get us, or the experiential benefits of what the experience is like. I can say, I'm going to eat blueberries tomorrow afternoon, because I know that blueberries contain antioxidants and antioxidants are associated with longevity. That yeah, would yeah. be eating blueberries for their instrumental benefits, what they, what they will do for me at some point in the future. I could also say, I can't wait to go blueberry picking with you, my friend. Why don't we uh, make a fruit salad after? Because that'll be a blast. That's eating blueberries for their for the experience of eating blueberry. And what you find when you start helping people see the experiential benefits of a behavior is you've taken the gap away from uh, their current experience and and their future experience. You've built the satisfaction into the experience of the behavior, not what it will get you. When I first learned that, that blew my mind. And I was like, that's, that's everything. Jason, I'm going to be mindful of your time. Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. For those listening, know more about you, connect with you. Yeah. How can they get a hold of you? Uh, the smoothest way right now is to look up my full name on LinkedIn and, and reach out to me and connect with me on LinkedIn. So my full name is Jason. My first name is Jason. My last name is Gutman, G-O-O-T-M-A-N, or I like to say when I'm explaining it to customer service people, like Goodman, but with a T. Have regu- regularly post my articles there. You've seen some of those. Corey. Yeah, awesome. Well, again, Jason, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight. Uh, I really enjoy their talk. I'm sure we could have talked for another hour. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you again, and everyone, thank you for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll talk to you next time. Love this episode of the Healthy Project Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. 
is very much appreciated. Be sure to visit www.healthcoachlou.com to join the community newsletter, access the show notes, and discover our fantastic bonus content.